welcome to the Nerdaplexy Comic Movie Review Show. In this series, we are going to break down and analyze every comic movie released between 1989's Batman all the way to 2008's Iron Man. We are going to track the trends, hype the hits, and dunk on the duds, all in search of the perfect convergence of comics and cinema. Joining me on this epic journey is my longtime friend and frequent co-conspirator, Sam. Bossa Nova. <laughs> Chevy Nova. Excellent. So sit back, grab your ninja weapon of choice, and relax as we dive into Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Released March 30th, 1990, directed by Steve Barron, starring Judith Hogue, Elias Correa, and Corey Feldman. Elias Cotillas. Cotillas. Fucking You did write Correa on the show notes, and I thought it was really funny. I know. I didn't. I, I wasn't didn't, sure if you got it or not. I, it didn't look right, but I, <laughs> I just went, I, my, my brain was in read mode. As it like, uh, I, when I'm looking at my notes, I'm fucking Ron Burgundy, baby. Whatever it says <laughs> is coming out. Who put a question mark on the prompter? Well, this movie, guys, I'm so excited to be getting into this. And before we start, normally we talk about, you know, when was the first time you saw it and yada, yada, yada. But this time, I thought it might be important and uh, relevant to ask, who's your favorite turtle? All right, Sam, where do you line on the Ninja Turtle spectrum? Uh, I'm uh, Michelangelo, as he is a party dude. <laughs> on the DVD that I have, there's yeah. something called the T-Files. And they give you the okay. little uh, blurb about each of the characters. Oh, I see. That's not the word I was thinking of, but that's the word that came to me first. And uh, I'll give you Michelangelo's little bio. Please. He's uh, he's five foot tall, 165 mm-hmm. pounds. His weapon of choice is the nunchaku, or the nunchuck. Uh, his favorite color is orange. His hobbies are skating, surfing, video games. And his favorite music is rap, surf music, and Jimmy Buffett. And his nickname is Mikey. Okay. I could see that. Um, me personally, I'm a Donatello man through and through. I had glasses in first grade, so like I really identified with Donatello of especially the cartoons. He's an inventor, got a bow staff. That's my dude. Donatello, five foot one sixty, eyes black. Weapon of choice, bow staff. Favorite color, mm-hmm. purple. His hobbies are inventing, computers, engineering, science, piloting, and mathematics. And interestingly, his favorite music, classical. Classic rock and yeah. the Roaches, which is an all sisters female like I guess classical singing group. <laughs> what a deep cut, Donnie with the deep cuts. This gets more ridiculous. Okay, here's Raphael, five foot one seventy. He uses a sigh. His favorite color is red, and it has in parentheticals for many reasons, none of them good, all of them appropriate. What? 
Uh, and then that leaves off Leonardo, who's 5'1", 170. His weapon of choice is katanas, favorite color blue. His hobbies, none really. No time. I like candles, if that counts. And the thing that that introduces is that they're filling okay. out their own profiles. So that makes uh -huh. it all the more interesting when we get to the last two profiles. Uh, okay. Splinter, 5'2", 115 pounds. His weapon is any or none. It matters not. I prefer nonviolence, as I wish did all. And his favorite color is, I am partial to both purple and yellow. Okay. I don't know why, but whatever, you know. And then the Shredder fills out his own profile. Okay. Six foot two, 220. His weapon of choice, bah, weapons are for children. I have my armor, it suffices. His favorite color is okay. purple. Oh. The color of royalty as it befits me. Red, as it flows from the lifeless bodies of my enemies. <laughs> So you think they're going to do the subtle blood thing with Raph. Yeah. And then Shredder just says he wants to bleed out. Now I'm thinking that maybe he has something okay. to do with Johnny Gobbs. Mm. Bruce Wayne did spend some time in Southeast Asia. So that, uh, that tracks. There you go. Okay. So that's the well, whole T-Files. There's also uh, on the DVD I have, There's you can uh, do a maze to try to get the pizza. And if you get it, it says cowabunga, <laughs> dude. So... This one starts off, we get a opening montage, we get to see the city, and these, I'm guessing, are probably the only shots that are actually in New York. Yeah, the establishing shot on the Twin Towers, and I looked this up because I was curious, because I, you see that in so many movies. Uh, in the article I read, they had estimated that it was over a thousand films open on the establishing shot of the Twin Towers, or at least heavily feature the Twin Towers, and I'm going to list them all now. But yeah, we get some great establishing shots. This is a, that gritty, crime-ridden kind of New York vibe we got going on here. And you get to see all these kids doing crime montages, which is great. I love to see child criminals. It's a, that's a great trope. They do a lot with children in this one. But in that opening scene, they like zoom in on somebody reading a New York Post article and it's city crime escalates. But in the bottom right corner, it's so small you can barely read it. Cop kills cop by accident. And I thought probably that should be a what? bigger headline than people losing their like wallets and, and stereos. Old ladies watching TV on their porch turn around to <laughs> shoo away the cat and then gone. Yeah, instantly. She's watching the TV on a uh, fire escape and uh -huh. the, the kid, he, he takes it and he's at the bottom of the fire escape in a second, which is pretty wild. Ninjas. These are ninjas in training and April O'Neil has got the scoop. She's on the trail of these child robberies and whatnot i have one other thing about the child robberies they start with like somebody grabbing a wallet and like they're like walking it to the next guy handing off the wallet to that guy and then handing it off to another guy until finally somebody hands it off to a, a human who's presumably dressed in full ninja regalia because <laughs> his arm shows and he's got the bracers i'm not sure if shredder is taking that last wallet but I don't, you don't see anyone else wearing anything like that in the movie and i'm wondering like how is that dude not sticking out like a sore thumb in the middle of new york master tetsu never really dresses in street clothes either. Well, it might, maybe it do? was Master Tatsu, but they're doing this to obscure themselves from the public, and in so mm. doing, eventually hand off in broad daylight to a man who is dressed absurdly for it's the It's all area. part of the illusion, Sam. It's all part of the illusion. Pretty conspicuous, uh, that's all I'm saying. Speaking of gaudy clothes, we've got our girl, April O'Neil, rocking that trademark yellow outfit. She's got a yellow trench coat, 
And her reporting, unfortunately, is hitting a little too close to the mark as the uh, foot is kind of on her trail. And she says in her broadcast, instead of getting better, things have actually gotten worse. And this is the broadcaster who's going to end up being the highest paid <laughs> news broadcaster by the end of the movie. Well, look, it's an arc. It's an arc. OK, so if we see the first broadcast, then we'll see the better broadcast at the end. So she interrupts a robbery in progress, a bunch of kids stealing stuff off of her van. And just before things can get ugly as she's getting mugged, a sigh comes out of nowhere, breaking the light bulb. And then we get to hear some very fun ninja noises in the darkness. And then the lights come back on and all the kids are beat up. Yeah. The fun fact is they had to do that because production didn't have time to choreograph another fight sequence. A couple of times in the movie, they do this. I thought to myself, that is a great way to do a fight scene without having to have any choreography and just understanding. It just makes your characters look cooler because they, they right. can do it all without being unseen. And she does see a rat. Yeah, that little Chekhov's phobia there where she sees the super rat. <laughs> but yeah, Raph does beat up the guys and gets away unseen, but he loses one of his size. And April picks that little BB up and throws it in her purse because, I don't know. And he yells out, damn, that's like the first, there's mm-hmm. like five dams in this movie. I wonder how many you could get in a PG. <laughs> there's like five dams in one bitchin'. Bitchin'. Raph got a couple, Mikey got one, and then I believe Master Tetsu gets one as well, but he says it in Japanese, so I don't know if that counts. I think Raph gets like five dams. One shouted from a rooftop, Damn! damn! <laughs> So it's actually everybody, I guess, does the saving. And they're really hyped and they're heading back through the sewer to see Master Splinter where they have a little debriefing and he's he's a little bit concerned. You know, he's a protective father type, old Splinty. But they weren't seen and it's fine. Raph lost his sigh and he's freaking out about it. Splinter's like, yeah, dude, chill on it. And then Mikey orders a pizza. Great stuff. Also, fun fact, Splinter is voiced by Kevin Clash and puppeted by Kevin Clash. Famously puppeted Elmo for a really long time and did the voice of Elmo. He's gotten into a lot of lot of wild trouble, so I don't know if you want to Google Kevin Clash, but... The setups of kids' movies, especially, the beginning is like the most fun before the action has to start happening. But this little scene where they play tequila and do their meditative dancing, that gag I always thought was the funniest shit, and they're just having so much fun. Even Leonardo the square he's sitting on the couch grooving a little bit i always just want to hang out with these turtles but i'd always afraid because i knew bad stuff was coming later enjoy it now that reminds me yeah so whenever i watch this movie i watched with my kids and oh no way it was such a blast to see it from their perspective oh amazing and immediately after it was over they wanted to put on the second one hell yeah so in the last weekend i've done the whole trilogy (laughs) and tmnt so it's a proud dad moment for sure Whenever they start in the sewer, you get your first taste of this soundtrack, which is oh, that so song. groovy. That's so good. They order pizza, and as an adult, I, it's the first time I ever noticed this, but he specifically says no anchovies. They're just like, ah, oh, you want a plain pizza? Oh, you didn't say no anchovies. I'm throwing some fish on it. That's got to be like the least common thing ordered. Well, especially, anyway. okay, I could understand if he said, give me a pizza with everything on it. No anchovies. Right. But and he, no he has anchovies. a meticulous list. And by the way, the list of these like toppings and stuff makes me think this is a, a fairly common order. They never explain how they make their money. Well, they're ninjas, man. They're ninjas. They, they are ninjas, but are they stealing stuff? I guess. That makes them no, no better than the foot. <laughs>
I guess people drop $10 bill down the sewer here and there, you know, of course you. <laughs> well, there you go. Their address is uh, 122 and an eighth, and the pizza guy can't has trouble mm-hmm. finding it. But, but every one of the turtles in costume has an out-of-costume cameo. That's Michelangelo. And it's a Domino's guy. The merchandising and all of that stuff was done through Pizza Hut. So kind of <laughs> missed the boat there. Well, they were late. They were late. That's the thing. A Pizza Hut guy would not have been late. The Pizza Hut guy would have broken in the sewer and just fucking hand-fed it to him, obviously. Because you can't out-pizza the hut. <laughs> it's all dominoes in this movie. Whenever they show you the sewer in the first place, there's a, a Noid toy in the sewer. That fucking game was sick. You were supposed to avoid the Noid. I don't know. We didn't have any dominoes around here uh, in my neighborhood, but my friend had that game. That and Cool Spot, baby. Pull those things up. I'm ready to play. Cool Spot is a great game. 7-Up, also a sponsor of the pod. If you played those babies on Sega Genesis, hit us up. Let us know. <laughs> Tell us about it. If you don't know what those are, if you're a, a, a Zoomer or whatever, <laughs> I'm pretty surprised you're listening, but thanks. <laughs> Anyhow, we get a bunch of cool pizza gags. The, the Putting it through the sewer is a lot of fun. When they throw it up in the air and Leo slices it, one falls on Splinter's head. That's all fun. I don't know why, but that gooey pizza looks so appetizing. Oh, they always make it look so good, baby. So stretchy. Mike takes a bite of that, and the cheese just stretches for a year. It's so cheesy. Raph didn't stick around, though. He was too busy fuming. He went off to go see a movie. So to disguise his appearance, he puts on a trench coat and a top hat, and that's fine. No no problem. He sees Critters, which he thinks is a little bit uh, over the top. Critters was produced by New Line Cinema, which is the same production company that produced this movie. Yes, yeah. That's how you get it. That's how you get away with saying something's over yeah. the top. It has to be one of yours. Although that came out four years before this movie, so that must be a pretty discounted oh, I, movie. I bet you there's for sure when they released this one, there was probably definitely at least a couple of critters movies that came out that year. <laughs> Raph didn't like the movie, but he does get to have a little fun and stop a robbery in progress. And then he pursues the children to kind of, I guess, keep an eye on them. And they are intercepted again by another vigilante, one Casey Jones. In full hockey regalia. Yeah, that mask. He was definitely the coolest of all of the Turtles characters. Because, like, the Turtles are great and all. But they're not, like, cool guys. They're kind of nerds. And that's, they're teenagers. But Casey Jones, man. And in this, it does not disappoint. They've got the mask. They nailed it. He's got baseball bats. He's got all manner of sports equipment. And uses pretty much everything at one point or another and throughout the film. Cricket bats. Cricket. Cricket. You got to know what a crumpet is to understand cricket. Raph here doing some good bits. So they have a little interaction and Casey Jones is going to beat these. So he acknowledges the fact that they're like middle schoolers because he calls them like JV punks. And then he's like, I have to work on these kids with these baseball bats. Give me a minute. You did your job. Get out of here. And all through this interaction, I get that it's dark, but it's not until Raph loses his hat that he notices that something is a little strange with this guy. Ah, he's one of those green punkers. Punker wearing a mask with green makeup, obviously. He also calls him Bogey while he's still wearing the hat, which is a, a nod to the Casablanca gear he's wearing, just like Humphrey Bogart. In the cartoon, they had these weird human masks that had mustaches and stuff on them when they did the trench coat outfits. But the look is great. He's wearing that coat very well. He doesn't fare as well in the combat, though, as um, Casey Jones crickets him right into that wicket and runs away. And then we get another cameo from another turtle actor inside the cab 
as Raph does a cool flip over top. The dude who plays Raph is in the cab. That and that, hits. Th- that taxi driver is perfect here. So he was like, oh, what was that? And he says, well, I look like a turtle wearing a trench coat or something. Uh, so you go in LaGuardia. <laughs> Like that's that's the New York that I wish existed and I want to go to. This cabbie's so jaded. He understands that it is a giant turtle man, but whatever. Fuck it. It's it's New York. Did you guys uh, check out the rigs that they use? I, I remember because I used to have a VHS that had like the making of, but the puppeteer control rig, it looks like something out of like the Matrix or something, man. It's wild. Okay, so like you can tell they're puppets for sure. It's obviously not a real creature, but by the end of the movie for 1990, this is like a masterclass in puppetry because the emotion comes through perfectly. You understand you relating with them. It's empathetic. The different turtles make different faces. They have like Don and Mikey are a little bit goofier and Leo is more serious. Their personalities really come across through their faces and what they're feeling is just really out there. I mean, it's a little bit big and it's over-exaggerated, but it all works for me, certainly. This is also the uh, the last movie to come out in Jim Henson's lifetime. Oh, He lamented that it was a little more violent than he wanted yeah. it to be, but he was doing it as a favor to the director. Now, at this point, it starts getting backed away from puppetry because, what, in 93, Jurassic Park comes out, and then everyone's like, oh, CG? Okay, okay, cool. Although there's a good bit of puppetry. Yes, in. exactly. That, like, a lot of the other studios didn't realize that the best parts of those movies is the giant puppets, like the humongous T-Rex and the people in, like, weird raptor suits. Those videos are so funny. I love them so much. You know what? If you're a big Turtles fan, if you enjoy, if you've watched this movie, and I would suggest it for anybody, YouTube like making ofs and like check out these rigs that these people are using to puppeteer these turtles. It's worth a watch because if you're into movies or production at all, I would absolutely advise you to check it out. There's lots of specials out there, but like take a look. All right, so Raph gets back to the sewer layer, and after one indignity followed by another by another, he returns, and he gets a a talking to from Splinter, and Splinter is trying to help him, but he just can't find a way to focus his rage. So this is one of these very cool moments. They they do this a couple of times through the film, and I, I think it's really effective. I mean, it's very cheesy, but it's very effective. But what they do is they drop all of the lights in the back and go into this dark dream space where they rotate the cameras, and it's very introspective. They do it with uh, Danny a little later, and it's like a splinter thing where he clears your mind, so all you can hear is the sultry tones of Splinter, whose puppet is, is amazing as well. I love Splinter. If you watch the feature out, they say Splinter's puppet is the most intense one because they have Kevin Clash working his mouth. They have a dude behind Kevin Clash working his arms. And then they have the dude in front doing the uh, the mouth movements and facial movements with remote control. Yeah, it's 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 a it's it, it's I don't know. I got nothing. Fuck off. Um <laughs> You can watch the whole movie and never even think about the special effects. And and that, to me, is the sign of good special effects is where you never think, like, what the fuck is that? And there's never one of those moments here. The visuals are amazing. This holds up, for sure. And it's low budget. What was the budget on this one? I think it was a third of Batman, if I recall correctly. 13.5? That's it. What? What? Yeah, um, production budget, 13.5. I mean, now that advertising has probably equaled that, but they did all this for $13 million. 
That isn't really impressive. This is the height of Henson, and they just got this thing rolling. They know how to do it. I wish we could get back into these. And I'm hoping Mandalorian is really kind of changing the way people think about puppetry because that puppet, I don't know. Did you guys, we're, we're on a tangent, but I'm going to ride this baby out because this is a great story. So Werner Herzog is on that show, and there's a moment when they were filming because he's in the very first the very first episode, and they were going back and forth whether or not to use a puppet Baby Yoda, which they eventually went with or to swap it out and just use the puppet as a placeholder and replace it with CG. And Werner Herzog said to them, you must use the puppet. This thing is too beautiful to not be experienced. It will melt the heart. I have seen it on the set and it's heartbreakingly beautiful. And I saw two technicians operating it remote. One was for the eyes and the mouth and the other one was for other facial expressions. It's a phenomenal technical achievement you must use it it is too beautiful and um they they followed his advice and i i it's i think that's part of the success of that show is how much do you want to just take that little baby and squeeze it you know like you do with babies you want to squeeze them real good (laughs) that cute aggression that's what it is don't worry guys who doesn't love a green puppet figure Anyhow, let's get back to turtle stuff now. We've done it. We've done our little bit. April O'Neil. She's getting yelled at by her boss, Charles. Some reason at her fucking house. Why is her boss at her house? Yeah, no, he comes like to her fucking place a bunch of times. So, okay, like at first, I'd never considered it when I was a child. But this on this watch through, I'm like, motherfucker keeps rolling up. So I was like, okay, maybe he lives in the building. No, wrong. She owns that building. Second question, how the fuck she owned that building? In New York? Get out of here. I think it was bequeathed unto her by her dad. Still. But she's highly paid. She's a reporter. I mean, that's not like... I guess it's possible. Let's, let's for the sake of argument, say maybe he lives in the building. Maybe she fucking rents to him. Mm, him and no. Danny live there. He drove there. Well, it's fuck, weird. It's I don't not know. A good wor- it's not a good working situation. It's not a relationship I would want to have with any one of my bosses. If my boss ever even called me on my day off, I would be on the phone with HR immediately. And this dude is showing up to her fucking place. Perhaps she's salaried and therefore is always <laughs> is always at work. But he still should not be rolling up. You still can't, you still can't come there, bro. He still shouldn't be rolling up. Charles. Doesn't he have work to do? You would think. And every time he comes there, he brings his son, Danny. And he leaves him unsupervised in the other room. Who's not Seth Green. Who's not Seth Green. And he does steal $20 from April's wallet. Yeah, he does. And he's listening to a, wall, a, a Walkman that he purloined. We've seen earlier. Yeah, earlier, whenever he was eating a Whopper. Another brand, they, Burger King thing they put out there. Very special thanks to Burger King Company. Yes, thank you. Konami video. This podcast is brought to you by Burger King. Have it your way. Have it your way. Have it your way at Burger King. Fucking hit us up, BK. I'll, I'll, I'll do a whole series on those BK games you guys put out in the early 2000s. Sneak King? That's a great game. Sneak King? Anyhow, we got Danny. He's working for the Foot. It's the Foot Clan. That's the secret. And Shredder puts out a hit on April because she's getting too close. Buckle up, young listeners. We normally try to keep these tight, but it's turtle stuff, so who knows? We get get wild on this one. Turtle talking with Reed. (laughs) (laughs) We got Danny. He gets arrested. He gets nipped for um, stealing. I don't know. 
April gets chewed out by the chief of police. Does, does the chief of police get to like chew out reporters? I don't think that's how it works. But anyhow, it's a fun little bit. And she says, time me. I like it a lot. April O'Neil is a queen and uh, we all stand for her. Um, <laughs> hashtag not my April O'Neil. My April O'Neil is in two and three. Oh, you like you like to follow up on this is my April. She's got my vibe. Maybe this movie is the reason that an April O'Neil number one is my vibe. But this is right up my alley. It's a, this is a real uh, uh, awakening for a young Reed circa 1990. When she leaves the police station, there's somebody reading another New York Post article, and it's the headline is, it's worse. <laughs> See, she's a good reporter. She's it's got her worse. finger on the pulse, baby. It's not better. It's worse. It's not better. It's, worse. it's actually worse. Mm. So Ralph's doing a stock. He's out there. He's trying to get that side back, baby. And lucky for April, he does because the foot shows up and they're here to send her a message. <laughs> and that message is shut your fucking mouth. <laughs> this is the funniest scene in the whole movie. First, she's real cute with them because she gets surrounded and she says, am I behind on my Sony payments again? A little racist, April. Racist, yes. But th- the way they respond, I deliver a message. He puts his hand out. He opens it. There's nothing in it. So as to say, what did the five fingers say to the face, April O'Neil? Slap. And slaps her across the face onto the ground. But April defends herself pretty well. She does some bag foo. Here's my thing. She's got the sigh in her purse. And as we see, she already knows a little purse jitsu. So why would you take the heavy metal object out of the purse? She takes it out and they just kick the fucking sigh out of her hand. If she would have left that baby in that purse, she would have fucked a couple of them boys up. And they are teens. These are teen boys. We have to remember after almost every one of these scenes that the the people that are getting beat on are actual teenage boys. Teens. Disenfranchised. Bad home life. And how do we repay them? These turtles are whooping teens. These are foot, baby. These are homegrown domestic terrorist foot clans the foot in the cartoons much more satisfyingly are robots so they can fucking slice them bitches up left and right they can yeah. they can murder these fools but these ones are children so yeah these are children instead so they went from robots which you can do anything to to young teens again the budget was 13 million so anyway april does some bag of foo she does you said purse jitsu, and you stepped on my bag foo bit. Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't know you had one ready. Uh, she does, yeah, some bag foo. I think bag foo is a little better than purse jitsu. Mm-hmm. Um, They're both good. And then uh, Raph comes out to the rescue. He's double side again, and he whoops up all these boys and does a very cool subway train move, but unfortunately is unvery ninja-like, is followed back to the secret lair. I guess he was all worked up. He got the side back, and then April was in trouble. Okay, I'll give it to him, but he does get followed. He's very emotional. That has been his downfall thus far. There you go. There we go. We're talking about character arcs. It's a very satisfying conclusion for all these arcs. So he brings her back to the sewer layer and Splinter's on the case. April wakes up and freaks out and has a very fun moment. So she gets to react to like living giant turtles and a giant rat man and stuff. And she believes she's having a delusion or something. She hit her head very hard. And she's like, oh, well, you're the rat from before and you turtles are. I don't, I don't fucking know. I feel like Splinter treats her a little harshly here where he's like yo well why don't you chill the fuck out a second and let me explain if you will please just sit down and calm yourself i will tell you where we came from he talks it is really quite simple miss o'neill i mean he tells her to calm down you're a giant rat man what was he five seven a five foot seven rat man 
She also, and this was, I almost said this whenever you uh, called my name in the beginning of the podcast. She says, why don't I ever dream of Harrison Ford? Who wouldn't want to dream about that dream boat? So she wakes up and then Splinter gives one of his first of many flashback sequences where he explains where the turtles came from. And my partner Megan was watching the movie with me at this point until the end of this montage. And she said, "Okay, I I got that's it. I'm drawing the line here. I like the cute baby turtle animatronics, but I'm out. I'm out. This is too much. That's the best part of the whole movie. Well, yeah, obviously. Yeah, but this is great. I love it. There's little baby turtles. And, and he brushes him into a little coffee can. That line for me where he says, and I gathered them up in an old coffee can. I gathered them up in an old coffee can. <laughs> the way he says that, that's my cellar door. Splinter from Ninja Turtles saying, and I gathered them in an old coffee can. It's so beautiful. It just like I it like hurt. It like makes something in my heart feel weird. I watch this movie a lot. I'm gonna say. Besides, I would say the movie that I've watched more times than any other movie than I'll ever watch is Muppet Family Christmas, uh, mm. which was a special that aired at one point. But that's a good one. The- Muppet Family Christmas. Yeah, that one you Muppet. can't even find anywhere. It's on YouTube. It's got the Fraggles. It's got the Muppets. It's got Sesame Street. Sesame Street. It's that's incredible. a classic. We watch that every year. It was my favorite movie as a child. And yeah, I, I actually, I actually, this uh, guys, uh, all right, hey, here we go. Mental health check. Here we go. I keep a version of Muppet Family Christmas on my phone. So in case I'm feeling a little bit too stressed out in the world as it got to me, I just pop a little bit of Muppet Family Christmas on my headphones and just listen to a couple of tunes. I like that one. I also like Christmas Eve on Sesame Street. That's my job. Oh. That's there's that there's too. that whole Oscar the Grouch song I hate Christmas. Ah, mm-hmm. oh, it's so good. Beaming faces everywhere. Happiness is in the air. I'm telling you, it isn't fair. I hate Christmas. That's another one you can't find anywhere except for YouTube, like bootlegged. Yeah. Hey, reach out if you guys want a, co- a copy of Muppet Family Christmas. I got one. Someone... I have it also on my Plex server. I'll share. <laughs> <laughs> one of Megan's friends, we're doing tangent stuff on this episode, but one of Megan's friends had mentioned that that was their favorite thing. They watched it on VHS, but they can't, they lost the tape. So it only aired on TV like one time. And I reached out. I was like, hey, hey, I got a copy. Don't worry about it. I have my VHS too. It's a little bit different without the commercials. Yeah. <laughs> Very regional. We've got that Eaton Park commercial. <laughs> We hope the special lift you get this holiday season lasts all year long. Happy Holidays from Eaton Park. That's just for Pittsburgh people. Yeah. And the the Swedish chef wants to eat Big Bird, which I think is so funny. Borka, borka, gobbler, gobbler, goofy, goofy. Archibiga turkey, burka, burger. That cool turkey's like, ah, you don't want to eat me. Look at this guy. (laughs) Next year. Christmas, we'll do a whole big thing on those. All right. Well, let's get back into it. April wakes up, and then April is walked home by the rest of the boys. They travel through the sewers and head back to her house. And there's a great gag here where she said, I'd invite you in, but all I have is some frozen pizza. And Donatella goes, bloop, pops out of the sewer. Oh, guys, I love this fucking place. He sprung. 
so they they obviously go up to her place and they have a, a great time. They have some pizza, do a bunch of impressions, which is just cracking my girl mm. April up, which uh, gave me a real jaded perspective of like what a party was uh, for a long portion of my life. So for like the next three years, a lot of adults at a lot of family parties got some read versions of like James Cagney bits <laughs> that I didn't understand. Get the boy in here. Make him say, you dirty rat. Oh, you dirty rat. Oh, you come on, brother. I feel like that's a trend in the 90s where it's just like jokes that you obviously will not understand. Tiny Toons has a Jack Nicholson reference in like every episode for some reason. Like that that was just a culture and I don't get it. Anyhow, April. They're there. They had the pizza. It's a great time. They go home because Splinter worries. They get back to the pad. The sewer layer has been trashed and Splinter is gone. They come back to April hat in hand not knowing where else to go and she says what's, what's wrong? wrong and i think it's uh, i think it's donatello he says splinter splinter cory feldman they bring him in for the big bucks he got he got the and in this one i think they said they paid him fifteen hundred dollars for this movie because they told him Jeez. it was like a small indie movie and then it made millions oh my god is that for real that's for real. My, my dude that's pretty brutal just probably why this he's is... not in the second one all right so they crash at april's place and she promises she's going to try to help them however she can. And as he does, apparently, Charles shows up at April's <laughs> place the early next morning, as one does. He needs her to lay off of this Foot Clan stuff because she's it's getting a little hot. And I guess he's being blackmailed by the chief of police because Danny got arrested. So April's got to cool it with this stuff. The source of Danny's angst, it's that he only has Sex Pistols shirts. Up to this point, he's been wearing the same Sid Vicious shirt, and then he only later puts on another Sid Vicious shirt. Sid Vicious shirt. The first one, that Sid one, is very cool, and I kind of wish I had one of those. That's a dope shirt. That's a cool shirt. The second one is a little bit blah, but that first, that black one with Sid on the back, very cool. Yeah, so she comes back, and Charles follows her into the bathroom, and the turtles get to do a very cool moves to get out of it, but they're not quick enough because Danny sneaks a peek of a turtle under a table. Hey, man, if you saw a five foot 11, 170 pound turtle. I have a theory here, and it's based on the next scene where we go to like. Uh, like the adult version of Charles Entertainment Cheese meets Pinocchio's Pleasure Island. Oh, you mean the um, Foot Clan and Kid Casino Child Indoctrination Camp? That's the one. Kids smoking cigars, gambling, video gaming, skateboarding, and the worst vice of all, playing bass guitar. Oh, that guy. <laughs> We, we get an appearance by a boy, Sam Rockwell, and uh, we want regular or menthol. Great. He's got chains. And my theory was that Danny is probably uh, smoking the, some jazz cigarettes. That's why he's, like, freaking out so bad when he sees a, a turtle under a table and he's, like, still staring whenever his dad comes out. <laughs> he's high as hell. The devil's lettuce. The child casino is very cool. There's like they're playing roulette, they're playing poker, they're smoking, they're doing skateboard tricks. We got video games, we got everything. And also life skills. You can learn how to do like ninja kicks and like hide real good and stuff once you graduate up the ladder. And you get your dragon douchi. <laughs> your dragon douchi, yes. And you pass the douchi on the right hand side. 
uh, a kid gets his Foot Clan mask, and then Shredder tells the whole gang, they have like a big gong, and all the kids, all the child criminals come in this room, and he tells them that they should be on the lookout for turtles. And then what does our little fucking narc do? Stupid, dumb old Danny. He shows off his new Sid Vicious shirt. Yeah, and he rats out the turtles and April O'Neil. Master Testuo, by the way, before we move on, is the fucking best. Uh, also, it is pretty tempting joining the foot. I mean, it's pretty fucking chill in there. So back to April's pad. They're all freaking out because they don't know where Splinter is. So Leo and Raph have a fight. And as we kind of see from Donnie and Mike's reaction, this is a common occurrence because they say fight and they say fight. And they go into the kitchen, as one does, to eat their feelings and have a bunch of snacks. Raph leaves and goes up onto the roof to do some rage dancing, <laughs> a la Hot Rod. <laughs> Damn! I thought another funny gag was they were yelling at the tortoise in the hair cartoon. Ninja kick that damn rabbit. But speaking of ninja kicks, Raph's up his moves on the roof and Casey Jones happens to be in the area and hears a wayward dam and pulls up his binoculars and he sees Raph doing his rage moves and also sees the approaching foot claim. So they surround Raph and he holds his own pretty well until... He basically, what does he say? He's like, how do you expect to beat me? And then like a million dudes popped up and he goes, good answer. So the rest of the boys get a tour of April's secondhand store, which is basically a junk shop that her father really liked. And she keeps open at a loss, she tells them. And it's got all kind of cool stuff, weird toys, old things, symbols. They do a bunch of gags. And April's worried about Raph. And she says, well, where, where is he? And he says, nah, he just needs to blow off steam. And they get a cool montage of him getting his ass ass whooped by the Foot Clan. They're like dragging him down the steps and shit. Before eventually the Foot Clan throw Raphael through the skylight and he crashes into April's apartment. And we get to do a couple of cool fight sequences. So here we go. I have them listed out here and I'm just going to kind of go through them because there's a bunch of beats and I don't want to miss any. So the very first note I have is Indiana Nunchuck, which is Michelangelo does an Indiana Jones style scene where they square off into nunchuck tricks. Then Donna Donatello gets his head dunked in the fish tank and he spits water on a guy. Michelangelo does the Wheel of Fortune, dude, and spins on the ground and hits everybody on his shell. I thought everybody loved Vanna. (laughs) There you go, yes. The Foot Clan comes in with a bunch of axes and they chop up the floor and then more dudes jump in. That's my favorite line in the whole movie where Donatello says, Uh, guys, I'm not so sure if this is, uh, structurally speaking, such a good time for your, uh, buddies to drop in. (laughs) They all jump in and the floor collapses Then they get the have a big junk fight there's a great gag the floor collapses the turtles in april are kind of left and a light clicks on and they look and it's a bunch of foot soldiers and then the light clicks on again and it's casey jones and each time that happens they they stop and pause and like look it's a really fun moment what are these fucking spotlights though you can hear them click on it's great so Casey Jones comes in and they're having a very cool junk shop fight. They're doing the symbol stuff. And it's kind of obvious now on a watch through where they're doing as much as they can to avoid the turtles fighting with their weapons, which seems like a studio note for sure. It is in number two. They completely take their weapons away. Mm-hmm. Starting from the very beginning, they have their weapons on them and then like never actually take them from their sheaths. This one's a little grittier as we watch a teen get electrocuted after trying to chop Donatello's head off which starts a fire and all of the guys they escape into the basement and then out into the street I guess and Casey Jones is holding off the last of the foot soldiers in a great moment where the answering machine 
is hanging by the cord and on fire. And it is Charles telling April that she's fired. And he says, I know this may come as a blow as it falls and hits a foot soldier right in the dome. So Casey walks into this building. The building's burning. He says, who's the babe? Talking about April O'Neil. Obviously. So I call that a heat cute. Because it's on fire. Because the place is on fire. Okay. Okay. I was, you know, I was also thinking about this movie and I was like, I wonder where Sam's going to try to get this in because there's not really a moment. There's not much, but I got another one. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. We'll sit on it till we get to it. (laughs) Well, the gang escapes and they take her cool van out to April's old country estate that she used to have. Do they go through like a secret passage to leave this place? Mm-hmm. She, she says there's a trap door. Oh, a trap door. Okay. It's obviously. Obvious. Sam, mm. it's a junk shop. They have trap doors. It's yeah. Fine. Okay. It's fine. Sorry. I'll let it go. <laughs> yeah. So they head out to April O'Neill's old country home. So they're going to kind of lick their wounds out there for a minute. And then we get to see Splinter in control of the Foot Clan and gets kind of a whooping. And this is the, I have a note here that says, I think that says damn in Japanese uh, as Master Tetsu. He gets yelled at by Shredder and because he didn't get the turtles. He gets pretty pissed and then in turn decides to beat up on the rest of his underlings because he just got yelled at. So he beats a bunch of children pretty severely and then Splinter gets a whooping as well. So back at the farm, April does a little bit of journaling and draws a couple of pics, which are, I must say, amazing. And we get the little start of some blossoming romance between her and Casey. Jones. I wrote down Casey Jones in gray sweatpants season. So there's a there's a moment where they have like a little lover's spat and he's like on this porch swing. And I just got to say, that's a tough look trying to swagger in fucking gray sweatpants. With his, with his mons pubis in full display. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, he's working it, baby. He's working it. Elias <laughs> Korea, man. He's fucking killing it. <laughs> I'm pretty sure he's wearing a jock strap too, because that's quite a like a little I mean, every scene you could see he's got like something he's like stuffing or something. I don't know. You're checking his business out? I mean, yeah. I'd have to say I didn't notice, but I was too busy infatuated with my girl April. Just O'Neil, rewind so just I... rewind and check those out if you could. Okay, well I'll look back. I'll put on I'll put on the list. <laughs> I'll wait. I'll wait. Okay. Okay. Well, well guys, we're gonna pause the podcast. Hold on, I gotta check out this peep. <laughs> you gotta peep it. And we're back. That's a peep. That's a peep for sure, guys. <laughs> peep on display. <laughs> Don't worry, it'll be in the slack in no time. There we go. Oh, thank you. <laughs> thank you for that. Okay, so Raph is not doing so well. He's recovering in a bathtub, half in, half out, and I guess they splash some water on him, which heals turtles. It's fine. We should have put him on a heat rock. But he recovers, and they have a touching moment. And then Donatello, he really fucking steps on it here, guys. I don't know. Like, I'm a Donatello fan for sure, but he really fucks this up. They have a nice moment, and they hug, and he's like, a bunch of nerds getting emotional because one of them almost died. <laughs> Kodak moment. But it's fine. They have a training montage and then eventually have like a spirit seance, which is great. And they like summon telepathically through meditation splinter and they find out he's alive. Great. It's cool. Flames get blue. They're mutants. It's the ooze. There's lots of secrets. We'll get into it in the next one. Anyway, I just thought that it's like a lot of fun stuff in the uh, in the farm house scene oh the farm sequence is amazing she has like her like dear diary moment and she's like talking about how everybody's getting on and uh yeah, it's like yeah donatello's found somebody that to, to tag along to and it's it's casey and they're alphabetically going through insults at each other it starts off with zip neck so they start at z so they've already gone through the alphabet one time but after zip neck is atomic mouth barfaroonie camel mm-hmm. breath yeah dome head yes l flips yeah somebody who's got a lips of an elf funkoid gack face and hose brain. So it's alphabetical. I never caught that before. In the middle, he's like, where do we leave off? 
Oh wait, what, what are we on? Is that G? Check the Slack. Sure. Is there? Um, am I gonna look at a fucking male, uh, a male gray bulge of penis? Here? Are you worried that I, that uh, you're claustrophobic? <laughs> am I gonna look at a the junk of a one Casey Jones Elias Korea? Claustrophobic. I never even looked at a guy. It's loading. God, this is a nightmare. I can't tell if Reed stalled or if he's just delighting in the stuff that I put in the Slack because they're pretty good. You have to have stalled. He's perfectly still. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> wow, they're exercise, and that's really a view. Yeah. Well, okay. Yeah, you're right. He got it. He's he's wearing an apparatus. Um, <laughs> either that or he has a very symmetrical dick and ball situation going on. <laughs> Well, yeah, I think it's a jockstrap because he did spend a year in the NHL. He's a sports dude. Yeah. He's a sports guy. He's been wearing the jockstrap ever since. Makes sense. Me and Megan were actually talking about this. Do, like, MMA guys wear cups? Like, they got to, right? Like, for sure? I don't think so. <sighs> that seems weird because, like, if you catch a if you catch a knee in the, in the nard, that's it. Like, fight's over? Oh, you should. The question is, do they? Here comes the boom. That's it brings that to a whole new level, doesn't it? Mm. Anyhow, so... <laughs> So the turtles hole up in the old place just for the night. And there is, like we said, a special visitor. Danny has been hiding out here away from his parents and also the foot having conflicting emotions. He talked to Splinter. His, his brain's all messed up. But he's still a little punk because he he sneaks away in case he follows him. And then he is caught. I, I'm so sorry for this. Back at the farmhouse, too, um, mm-hmm. during Casey. I know this is going to be a nine-hour episode. but That's fine. Uh, we're in. We're in it now. But Casey Jones gives a very aggressive, like, I'm giving you a back rub, back rub. We didn't talk about that. Yeah, he did. He, like, pushes April down into the chair, starts rubbing her back, like, oh, no, I'm taking care of this. Mm -hmm. And then there's a cool, like, uh, I think think Mikey comes in and and she says, you want a white man? And he says, no. And he picks up the turtle wax. So that's that. I'm out of the farmhouse now. I can join you (laughs) in the future. I mean, it's a great scene. That's a very, that was a very steamy moment, I will say. Was it steamy? It was kind of aggressive for my taste. I think it's just because their sexual tension had been boiling over because later, you know, April even says, are, are you going to fucking kiss me already? You know what I mean? So I feel <laughs> she like says she, that was, exactly. she was just, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's verbatim. That's in it. Like, check the fucking script. Um, PG, this is a PG one. You have um, to, over top of all the F words, you have to put, damn, straight out of the movie. Damn, 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 damn. I don't know. I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll workshop. She we'll says, are you going to bitchin' kiss me or not? Oh, also for that scene where he pushes her down, I wrote more like Casey's Jones and <laughs> <laughs> I was going to pass it up, but I mean, we're in it now. Yeah, that's a good one. That's a good one. Well, you know what? Here's my thing. Casey Jones's reactions at all times are just fucking great. The way he's reacting to every situation, he makes like weird faces. He's really working the long hair. It creates like an effect when he does it. I don't know. He's great in this. He's um wow. Yeah, let's add that to the ahead, junk. But... Yeah, he's got his weenus out on full display. <laughs> it's very confident. It's very confident movie from from Casey Jones. But anyhow, the Foot Clan's coming to attack the Turtles, and we have a very steamy rematch where they turn on the steam pipes and then they beat up all the guys. 
But at the end of that fight scene, Raph is eating an apple. So there, here's a fun fact. From a deleted scene, they're playing a little ninja hot potato back at the farm where if you have the apple in your hand, you have to fend off the other three while you're taking a bite of the apple. Then you pass it to I the see. next guy who has to casually eat the apple while he's fighting the other ones off. So so I, you get the idea that, that Raph did that whole thing like with one hand behind his back, basically. Uh-huh. They're unfazed, but then a bunch more guys come in and they get to have a longer extended sewer fight. There's a bunch of cool moves here. They get to do some skateboarding stuff. Mm. During all of this, Danny sneaks back to Splinter, and we get another flashback exposition scene. And eventually, Casey and Danny rescue Splinter as Shredder ordered him killed. And then, okay, so Casey and Master Tetsu have a little fight scene here where he just gets wrecked. And yet again, he's killing it. His reactions to getting beat up are very comedic and fun. Uh, and eventually he finds a golf club, so he gets his power again, and he's able to defeat Master Tetsu and tells all these kids, like, hey, this is bullshit. Like, I understand that you're having fun, but this is bullshit. This isn't a family. This is... I think there's an unsung superhero in this movie, though, that is Danny, who, when he leaves the sewer, he pops that manhole cover off effortlessly. And manhole <laughs> covers are 250 pounds. Just saying, that you can't see, but he is a strong dude. He's yoked. Yoked. Okay, so the fight spills out from the sewers onto the streets, and then from the streets up to the top of a building where they begin the final showdown, and new players enter the game. Our great line here, you now face the shredder. That is a great line. I have another. <laughs> You're going to kill me on this edit. I ain't edited shit. We're just doing this one. This one's going up just as is. I'm leaving it all in. <laughs> yeah, no, this one needs edited bad. But um, It's going up raw, baby. I just have a funny a funny line where, where Danny pops out and Shredder catches him, and he says, uh, Where have you been? And Danny says, uh, Nowhere. And Shredder says, You're lying to me. <laughs> <laughs> like Danny has not actually been nowhere. <laughs> You're lying to me. Where have you been, nowhere? I don't think so. I don't think nowhere is a place you can be, Danny. You must be lying to me. Technically, Danny, you weren't nowhere. You were somewhere. Where was it, Danny? So Danny took one of the Ninja Turtles drawings, and Shredder uses his claw detector to find it and gets it. Uh, and when he looks at it, he sees the drawing of the turtle, and his response is, they're back. What? They're back what? because there's a drawing of the turtle, yes. That's what leads all of the ninjas to go to the sewer. Right, and that, this is why, the only reason I made us call back to this is because I missed it where you said uh, Casey Jones and, and Danny Spring Splinter, and I, uh-huh. and that's where he, you know, he has to introduce himself to Splinter because Casey Jones hasn't seen him up to this point, and I called it a retreat cute. All right, I mean, that was worth it. I'm glad we circled <laughs> back. Just break the podcast, why don't you, just so you can get your stupid no, joke No, it's fine. This, one, this one's a jimble-jamble mess. We're doing the fight. We're on the rooftop. Shredder is... He's shredding these boys. He's got the pointy staff. He's flipping them. He's tripping them. He's making them look like fools. Yeah. They're fighting in the old style, which I think is dumb because I think the huge mistake they make, they keep making is they're continually trying to fight him one-on-one whenever they could just, like, just gang bust him. <laughs> yeah, they're very polite. It's my turn. They're even, like, rock, paper, scissor in for their turn. 
I'll, well, that's fun. It is fun, fun, but like, like fun it should just be like, uh, you know what? Let's both go. There's also a really great moment where they're regrouping and they're like, guys, th- are we are we not the good guys? Like, th- how, how do we lose control of this situation? But eventually, Shredder's about to kill all of them. Splinter makes his appearance. Danny and Casey have brought him there. And before this had happened, Casey trolls a couple of these teenagers by killing them, by smashing the, the fire escape with a garbage truck and having them fall to, I'm assuming, their deaths. And Shredder, yeah, well, he's incited by Splinter letting him know that, like, I'm the rat what scratched your face up all those years ago. Orokosaki. Splinter's move, I well, I do have to shout that out. His little, like, flipperoonie move where he yeets this boy right off the roof, that's great. You're talking Shredder falls into that compactor? Shredder falls in half second later. Oops, hits the button. Casey Jones, he does a he does a legitimate murder. He didn't hesitate at all. I mean, it's a full ass lever. Too. I get he the feeling to, like, that this isn't his first murder. No, for sure not. For sure not. Because well, this dude is cold as a he's cool as a cucumber. He sticks around. The cops show up and he's like, "Fucking, I don't know, guys." I mean, all these kids saw me murder this dude, but like, yeah, I'm fucking chill. That's it. Splinter flips him in there. Casey Jones crushes him. Truck murder. That's it. Um, Danny and Charles reconcile. April gets her job back and then gets like a raise on a raise on a raise. Hey, Reed, it's Dan now. Oh, there you go. Dan. (laughs) Okay, sure, son. Sam Rockwell gets another line here, and he tells the cops, Check out the East Warehouse over Ledman Island. Ah, uh, that's the guys. Yeah, they jimble-jamble the names to call them out. Yes, it's Eastman and Laird. As we're wrapping up, Casey and April do a smooch, and it's pretty cool. Like we said before, she's like, just kiss me already. The gang celebrate, and they all get to try out catchphrases, and then Splinter gets to make a little funny. I have always liked Kawabunga. I made a <laughs> And then we get Turtle Power, baby. This song. This song. T-U-R-T-L-E oh, you're going to hear power. it, guys. Get ready. That's it. That's Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, the movie. It's amazing. All right. So now we're going to slide into our favorite part of the show. It's time for the Comic Convergence. I do want to say the little bit that I do know, and that's that Eastman and Laird were heavily parodying Daredevil, and they were basically saying that the ooze, the accident where the mutagen or whatever goes into uh, Daredevil's eyes is the same one that goes down the sewer and makes the Ninja Turtles and Ninja Turtles. Aha. You have the Foot Clan, which is obviously a parody on the hand, and you have Splinter, who is their mentor and Daredevil's mentor stick it's good stuff eastman said that like him and laird would like just try to make each other laugh and they would have drawings and they would like pass them back and forth and Mm -hmm. like he drew these the four turtles with with all their ninja gear and uh they like just come up with like a ridiculous name teenage mutant ninja turtles and they just laughed all night about it and then they woke up the next day and they thought how we have to make this into a thing because it's ridiculous i wonder how they met each other there's a great an episode of the toys that made us Mm. documentary on netflix i just wanted to make a pete cute joke because it's peter laird (laughs) but you're right that is a good episode i watched it as well that's where i got my info about them passing their pictures back and forth yeah also this podcast is sponsored by netflix netflix seven up and burger king we'll say whatever you want daddy netflix please pay me 
Well, I'm pretty sure I know how we felt about this one. Well, let's check the critical and audience reception and the box office numbers. Uh, let's start with the box office here. So we got a budget on this one of $13.5 million. The opening weekend put us at $25 million. The final domestic gross was $135. So this one was a big old stinky hit. They hit the zeitgeist perfectly. 202 worldwide. Now... Here's where we get into a little difficulties. And it was technically, uh, in, in, since it's an independent production company, it was the largest independent oh, film yes. until the Blair Witch Project in 1999. There you go. There you go. I'll tell you what. I just tried to watch Blair Witch the other night. Megan wanted to watch it really bad. Unfucking watchable. <laughs> it doesn't hold up. It does not hold up. I remember being I remember being pretty spooked by it. I thought it was I mean we well we couldn't even do it. I I mean I I was like sick immediately. It's so yeah, shaky. Yeah, I don't like it's that. Awful. That's I mean So that like the turtles was a a moment of the time, mm. a movie of its time. This one holds up much better. Unfortunately, Rotten Tomatoes doesn't agree the tomatometer over here, 40%, but Biggest discrepancy so far, audience score, 81%. Listen to the audience, people. The Rotten Tomatoes has never agreed with me. Metacritic has the same story. Uh, the meta score is 51 and the user score, 7.9. I always go by Google user score. So if you just Google okay. this sucker, 83% uh -huh. like this movie. That's a little more like it. The audience and the critics really disagree. I think, I mean, well, we'll get into my ratings in a little bit. But before we get there, we got to find out who's your hero, who's your villain. I have a hundred different versions of this, so I can talk about anybody. Okay. You don't design. want me to steal yours this time, so you get a couple prepared. I always only prepare one, so I try to make sure to go I first. I just have a bunch. It's just jazz for me because I love this movie so much, so I can pick anybody. Well, my villain is the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. That's been my theme so far has been picking the villain as the heroes. But they do a lot of bad stuff in this. They do beat up kids a lot. They try they knock but they're kids. They're okay, kids. but that doesn't they're make 15. it okay. They're they're nin they're tr highly trained kids. If you took a karate class, they wouldn't say use all everything you learned against an untrained child. Okay, okay, but they're not beating up like the regular old youths. They're only doing full Foot Clan members. These full Foot Clan members are still youths. If your argument is that these children are also trained that they're fighting, I can see it. I understand. I don't think that's okay necessarily. Okay, they have. That's why they have like meets for that. Like you know, so that's it's like an an adult is there to say like, okay, that's a point. Now back away. They usually have weapons in this movie. They are knocking kids out. They're not just like, you know, beating them until they say, I give up. They're making sure they're knocked out. They're laying on the ground. April O'Neil at one point in they time about it. takes a bow staff from above one of these children, hits them in the head as hard as she can, and to cheers. In her defense, they're trying to they're trying to actively murder her. So I'll give her a pass. Well, here's the thing. I never felt any kind of way about it up until this viewing where there's a moment where Tetsu, the moment where Tetsu beats up the kids, they're already beat up. They're all bruised and black, blue, and, and obviously children. So it does change things a little bit. There's very young kids in the foot. I mean, not even probably teenagers, well, some of these guys. And probably Skeet Ulrich is probably in his 20s by the time this movie was filmed. He's probably not a kid. Uh, Sam Rockwell, too. He's probably a little older. But the point is, there are kids getting hurt. They're not stopping the crime wave. They're just beating up the kids that are causing the crime wave. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, that is certainly one opinion. We'll keep that thread rolling with that villainy. I think I really, for me, 
I gotta do a villain that I love. Because uh, I don't, there's no, there's honestly, ah, do I though? No, fuck it. Danny, he's a piece of shit. <laughs> I hate him. I'm glad. Danny sucks. April O'Neil is so kind and so understanding to him at so many points, and he sells her out again and again and again. They show him kindness, and he sells her out. I mean, he comes around at the end, but it's a real stinker. I think he gets off too light, and I'm never calling him Dan. I'll call his ass, like, Daniel or something, whatever pisses him off the most. Daniel's a villain. If he was Seth Green, I would say he had redeeming qualities, but no. Danny's a piece of trash, but Dan is fine. Dan's an upstanding gentleman. Well, Dan's fine, but like, I don't think he earned the Dan is basically what I'm saying. He gave the 20 bucks back. I don't think he, he won a week it. without spending that 20 bucks. And how did he get pizza? I assumed he would have spent 20 bucks on that pizza, but yeah, whatever. He's a villain because he only ate like two slices off that pizza. When I was his age, I could eat a whole pizza easy. I wouldn't even have a tummy ache anymore. Like now I can't. Why would you order a whole pizza if you're not going to? You're in New York. Go buy a slice. You don't have to buy a whole pizza. I mean, he's in New York. You could have for sure bought You're in New York and you're going to Domino's? Come on. Kid. (sighs) His dad, Charles, has tried to tell him. It's a big thing. Charles was not in charge. All right. Let's do heroes. I don't know. I'll go first this time. I'll go first this time. Who is my hero? My hero is April O'Neil. She's just great, isn't she, guys? She's just, She's just dressed great. like the Morton Salt Lady. She takes these young youths under her wing and helps them and protects them. And she's trying to make the city a better place. She options herself at the end. I like it. It was a power move. She got a corner office. She's the most well-paid field reporter in the city. In New York City, just balling. If that's true, that's fucking nuts. I love it. I don't think she's a very good reporter, though. No, she's not. She sucks. The theme of this uh, show so far has been just like the ladies that Reed is taken by. (laughs) I love a strong lady. All right. Well, I'll go with my hero. My hero is, okay, I I had a goof one and I had a real one. I'll go with my goof one first. My goof one is my hero is Shredder because he takes in all those kids and gives them a place to party and hang out, which is pretty cool. I mean, if I was a teenager in New York, I'd be like, you mean we have a whole warehouse with cigars and gambling and bass guitars? Yeah. He's giving him an outlet. Exactly. You know? These kids don't have good parents. He's he's giving them a family. Misguided, but they're family, yeah. They got friends. They look out for each other. Structure. They got parties. They got rules. They got jams. That was my goof one. But my real one is Jim Henson and these ding-dang animatronics runners oh, because yeah, they baby. are so incredibly cool you know i don't know if i ever watched that featurette before today even to know how they were doing what they were doing i just knew that it was cool like the the lips really move and i just assumed that the people that were in the in the things were having to do that themselves i don't know why i thought that but i thought maybe there's something rigged up to their mouth or whatever i'm just like a a child's (laughs) brain trying to figure out like how does this happen because i know they're in a suit i know it's just dudes in a suit how are they creating this magic? I did have a fun fact, too, about the animatronics because they filmed in, uh, I think it was Wilmington, North Carolina, and it was near an airport. So whenever the signals from the control tower would come down, it would cause their faces to spasm because because <laughs> it's all done re- by remote frequencies and stuff. So every time the control tower had something to say, it would make their faces contort. That's so funny. <laughs> I love that. That's great. All right, well, I guess that just about wraps up Ninja Turtles. Now, before we get to our ratings, let's take a look at the movie we'll be watching for next time. 1990s Darkman. Sam Raimi, yes. too. Oh, my goodness. I think he I think he wow, couldn't get wow, the rights wow. to uh, whatever comic he wanted to do and then just said, you know what, I'm going to make my own. 
TMNT, the Ninja Turtles. How did this come out in uh, your rankings? It's a nine, nine for me. It's got it hits all of the all of the notes, all of the even as an adult, I enjoyed it. It makes you feel like a kid again. It's got it hits all of the nostalgia points for me. The comics, it's accurate to the comics or as accurate as a PG movie could possibly be to the comics. If the cartoons didn't kickstart Turtle Mania, this definitely did. I'm going to give it a little bit higher for you because the amount that the effects still work and the story, it all works on the on that front. I'm giving this one's coming in at a, a 9.25 out of 10 for me. I love this movie. I'm biased, certainly, certainly biased, but I love this. I'll be the movie. biased one on uh, TMNT3. That's an objectively bad movie that I love with all my heart. Excellent. Thank you so much for listening. Please remember to rate, review, and subscribe. You can hit us up at nerdaplexy at gmail.com or over on Twitter at nerdaplexypod. Uh, special thanks to the cast and crew of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles for making our childhoods possible. Uh, another very special thanks to our social media manager, Dave. Uh, you can catch him at the face of Dave on Twitter. Be sure to check him out. Uh, next time we are going to be watching Darkman, so you know, check that out if you like, or just wait until we review it and uh, let you know how it is. Well, until then, we'd like to leave you with this thought to ponder. I love being a turtle. Day and age, who could ask for more? The crime wave is high with buggings mysterious. All police and detectives are furious because they can't find the source of this lethally evil force. This is serious, so give me a quarter. I was a witness, get me a reporter. Call April O'Neil in on this case. Hey, you better hurry up, there's no time to waste. We need help, like quick, all the double. Have pity on the city, man, it's in trouble. We need heroes like the Lone Ranger. When Tonto came pronto, when there was danger, they didn't say we'd be there in half an hour, because they displayed turtle power. Oh,